0: Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And today we are sort of on the road between San Carlos and uh, San Vicente, one of my favourite spots on the whole island we've got an epic view of the sea in the distance we've got a gorgeous villa that we're perched in at today and the topic of today's interview is zero kilometre food it's something we've been talking about a lot recently with the last few guests we've had on um, Gabby from Abitha produce last week we had maize with her wonderful fermented fizzy goodness and this week we're joined by the wonderful love food Ibiza Tess Prince good morning. It's very early for all of this isn't it?
1: I know it's super early in fact I was going to make you a cocktail but uh, you'll have something else healthy instead. It's so nice to see you. It's been almost a year since I
0: last clapped eyes on you what with the lockdowns and getting stuck in various countries around the world but um, yeah
1: it feels very homely and very grounding to be back at your outdoor kitchen table. Yeah I mean this is I call it my pink playground my adult playhouse really and uh yeah I just gravitate to being outside in my kitchen and uh although I have to go up the stairs to get things uh but it's just a pleasure to be outside I mean who gets to cook in an outside kitchen all year round so yeah and it's, it's great for entertaining and uh yeah I hope you're going to enjoy some magic today Uh, Well, that's definitely something that uh, is normally on the table and
0: on the menu when I hang out with you. So that's exactly why I'm here. I'm I'm starving. So that's good. I went for a long, long run this morning for almost an hour, about seven kilometres. So I'm I'm definitely ready for a feast. But I'm kind of interested in, first of all, um, how did you how did you end up here on Ibiza?
1: Oh, God, how long have you got? (laughs) This is going to go on forever. In a nutshell, my husband and I were here on our honeymoon and um, we were on we were just on this beautiful beach I uh, can't even remember where it was it was up somewhere up in in the north and he kind of like prodded me on the shoulder and said you know what you would really thrive on this island you would love it to live here and uh yeah i went home after my honeymoon leave and handed my notice in at work and the rest is history and where were you working I was working in the city. I was working for a contract catering company and I was on the road. I was working like horrendous hours. You know, it was a great opportunity for me because I was working as a consultant, like a food consultant and and product developer. And I just never associated Ibiza with with a food scene and abundance. I mean, I was really new to the whole kind of Ibiza vibe. Um, I just associated it with clubs from like the days where, you know, Dan was here, doing club promotion so i yeah i just never thought it would be a bountiful beautiful place for um food I think I
0: don't think a lot of people really realise that until they come and explore the other side of the island. I think it's very much, as you say, you know, the kind of place people associate with with obviously partying, um, having a good time. But I think actually, you know, particularly this year has been one of those years where you know all the other kind of selling points and amazingly beautiful sides of the island that people maybe didn't have the time or opportunity to discover fully previously on their visits obviously with distractions in the mix you know this year has been the time I think when you know not only is this island already known for its sort of gastronomy it's really you know that's the kind of tourism that this place has been attracting more of because as I said you know I think people have less um, sort of distraction less hangovers to deal with yeah. and a lot more time to, to really plan their trip and their time here.
1: Exactly and and. What you see here is just really distinct seasons. You just think um, of Ibiza as just sunshine all year round, which it is, but there are very distinct seasons in terms of food, Um, from like the springtime when you can go and, and pick wild asparagus. Um, through to um, autumn where um, you've got the carob. You know, it's free chocolate growing in the trees. I mean, (laughs) that's why I signed up to live here. I was like, what's that dangling uh, like, brown thing in the trees? Oh yeah, uh, that's carob. Uh, Okay. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to do some stuff with carob later. So yeah, you know, the figs, pomegranates, quince, persimmons. These are all the autumn fruits now. And... I literally just go on dog walks and some of them I grow in the garden but um, when I'm dog walking and go through like fruit orchards and the food like generally it's just going to waste it's dropping on the floor and and, you know I'm there I call it I don't call it scrum I call it scrumping (laughs) rather than foraging but um, yeah the, the farmers know me now so yeah I fill up my pockets and come home and then you know cook up a storm. I mean, I think Ibiza is definitely
0: going through one of those phases right now where, we're, you know, people here are struggling like they are everywhere else in the world to put food on the table. But I kind of feel like, you know, from what I've seen, from what you've scrumped or foraged for us this morning, <laughs> there is a big pile of goodies, which I'm very excited to to get my little face around. But I think, you know, it is that time where there is such an abundance of, of things that we can find for free uh, that don't cost the earth um, to go and buy from you know, the various outlets, I think it is quite an opportunity and an opportunist's world in some ways to go for a walk and see what you find. Even I have been finding places quite close to where I live um, to, you know, to get some lemons or some oranges
1: or just things that are already on the floor, actually, uh, are very abundant. And exactly that. I mean, also, we we talk, you know, because I cook on the yoga retreats, we talk about the prana, the life force in food. And when it's, like, literally ripened in the tree, it's it's just bursting with nutrients, antioxidants. We should be eating seasonally to get the best for our bodies. And also, like, the environmental impact. Who wants to go to a supermarket and get vine-ripened tomatoes that taste of nothing in three packets of cellophane and cardboard? You know, it's a no-brainer, and you can, you can certainly do that here. But I think a lot of people, like, worldwide are just really embracing seasonal food purely for the health benefits you know the Mediterranean diet is like deemed like one of the most exceptional diets on the planet and here we are able to have it you know I pinch myself every day
0: I think you know that's all very well and good but you know None of that is any good to us without a magician like you to basically <laughs> do the the magical, wonderful, incredible, ridiculous things that you do do with food, which I can't wait to get into shortly. But I am interested. You know, you've talked about the health benefits of zero-kilometre food and the nutrients and the kind of, you know, the fact that it hasn't obviously been interfered with peste- pesticides when you basically go out for a wander and you find something fabulous. got these wonderful wind chimes in the background that people can probably just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ear tinkling away um but you know where are your favorite farms to actually when you're not out obviously finding things for free on the floor of the forest what you know where do you go to get your ecological organic box every week
1: okay so it's various places i, I mean i love terra um there's an amazing bio farm down in the south of the island but locally i go to viva floor and that's just round the corner from here. It's not walking distance, but not far off. And it's run by two amazing ladies, um, Rosa and Esmeralda. And basically, it started off um, as a collective. I think the mother used to grow, the great-great-grandmother used to grow flowers and all the farmers used to swap. And it just became a local hub for, you know, exchanging fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And it's just magical that it's it's displayed in such a cute and... Um, uh, you know, uh, p- uh, aesthetic way, mm. like gingham tablecloths, just with crates bursting with fruit, wheelbarrows full of pumpkins. Um, you can get all your fruits, nuts, and seeds, local eggs, you can get local honey, local olive oil. Um, there are no pri- price tags on anything, they just weigh it at the, ca- uh, at the counter. And you, you just know that it's just fresh from the land. It's got the, the brown, Ibiza soil on it. So. Mm. It is that moment in time, I think, to start really
0: supporting local. Because, um, you know, when you look at the high streets um, in the towns around Ibiza right now, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things are closing down. A lot of things are really struggling. And it's not that moment, I think, in the run-up to Christmas particularly, to, you know, to open up Amazon and start buying stuff online. It's really the time when we have got to stop going to Orozki and Mercadona and actually, you know, back our local people in the kind of,
1: you know, local farm sort of traditions yeah and also i'm finding that other friends um we're swapping our own produce between friends people are now like growing their own veg or even like having like a little herb garden and it, the, the the news travels when like for instance last year i i bought some seeds back from thailand and and grew my own like thai basil and then i was swapping with my friends' uh, lemons and chilli peppers. And I think a lot of people are just feeling, like, nourished in their soul to be able to do that and, uh, yeah, have a go at growing your own.
0: I think, you know, that's definitely the future, isn't it? I mean, to be able to be fully self-sustained in your own home, that is kind of like the Ibiza dream, really. Because if you don't have to go um, and battle... Uh, the roads and the kind of the outdoor world at the moment, particularly with what we've just been through. I mean, how handy would it have been if you didn't even need to go out of the house and you had everything you needed growing in your own back garden? I mean, I can't actually do that because I don't have any outdoor space in that
1: way. Apart you from a, grow crest. I have got a big terrace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, but this is what I've been saying to lots of friends. Like, you can even, like, sprout your own mung beans, you can grow your own micro-cresses, like, within a few days. And, yeah, my fr- my friends think I'm a bit of a nutter when I <laughs> go round to their house with seeds and say, come on, get that, get that on some uh, cotton wool and start growing. Uh, but, yeah, it's just uh, going back to those old-school days of making egg and cress sandwiches. <laughs>
0: I really, really miss an egg and cress sandwich, actually, I have to say. I do miss a lot of things about English food, but I have to say the things that I eat on this island have just so much more flavour. I mean, obviously, everyone has their comfort food they remember from their childhood. I would say, actually, an egg and cress sandwich is just probably in at number one, along with um, a cheddar cheese with Branston pickle. That's probably in at number two.
1: Honestly, egg and cress sandwich is my signature sandwich, And I have to admit this awful thing about salad cream. And then I thought, OK, I, I have to keep my salad cream addiction a little bit secret. And I've actually made my own salad cream and put it in a Kilmer jar because I, <laughs> I was too embarrassed about the fridge opening and my friends seeing salad cream in my fridge. Um, but yeah, so yeah, egg and cress with homemade salad cream. I will make that for you one day.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you fessed up to that. That's brilliant because I honestly, I grew up on salad cream. I must have gone through blooming litres of the stuff in my childhood. I absolutely, it's got to be a lot of sugar in it, of course. Where are you actually buying
1: that? Um, A secret place (laughs) called my suitcase (laughs) when I go home. (laughs) But then I thought, do you know what? And I think I read in a magazine about salad cream being a retro revival and, like, some London restaurants using it. I thought, hey, I'm going to give it a go. And I actually made it from scratch, and it's pretty decent. Yeah, it has got, like, a level of sugar in it Mm -hmm. to to balance the vinegar. But it's pretty easy to make. Um, Yeah, so watch out. I might have that on my older... Instagram soon bring it on that's all I can say I love your Instagram
0: which is of course love food Abitha. if you want to get some inspo for Christmas and that is basically what we're doing here this morning and um, you know it does feel a little bit early as you said to have a cocktail so that's good that we're not going to start drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning but um, I'm seeing some absolutely magical things as always on your uh, kitchen table talk us through what the first course of this uh, festive feast is going to be
1: well Recently, I've really got into this uh, local, um, locally produced and brewed vermouth, um, which is called Gold Tooth. It's absolutely incredible, and it's too early. And I was <laughs> going to make I was going to make you a Gibson, which was a cocktail that was heavily featured in Queen's Gambit, which we've all been wh- binge watched Have you seen it? Uh, no. Okay, <laughs> that's lost on you. But a lot of people, uh, you've been living under a rock, obviously. <laughs> um but that was heavily featured the, the one of the characters was drinking um a Gibson which is a martini and instead of having um an olive in it, it had a pickled onion so I was going to do that yeah it does sound a bit strange that's absolutely disgusting <laughs> no it, it works it does work trust me <laughs> trust me um so anyway what I've decided to do, using the vermouth um are these poached quinces and this is an ancient fruit that's Um, indigenous to to the Balearic Islands and it's an incredible, it's like dates back from Roman times it's here, I'm just going to show handle it, but it's like bright bright yellow I mean it's, it's deemed as like an ugly fruit I think it's got a beautiful charm to it it's the only fruit that you can't eat raw literally the only fruit on the planet I mean it's solid, you'd lose a tooth anyway if you tried to bite into it so it does need a level of cooking. So I've poached the quince in the vermouth, um, star anise, bay leaves from my garden and cinnamon. And it's just a beautiful flavour. And I've made a labneh with, um, with vanilla pod and a bit of orange. And then we're going to put this amazing brittle on the top, which is... Um, a, An Ibiza almond brittle with pistachios. I think we should tuck in, shouldn't we?
0: Um, Twist my arm, Tess, as usual. (laughs) You're going to have (laughs) to, yeah, definitely not do much persuasion. It looks absolutely gorgeous. And and your, your table, as always, just, you know, with the carob and gorgeous flowers and this beautiful pastel pink kitchen and of course the top that we suddenly realized we have the exact same top from our London days which is quite hilarious it's quite a unique um, item
1: I mean literally it's 20 years old <laughs> this top is it's like it's, there's this whole I've stitched it up so many times and it just goes to show I will spend more money on props and like a little bit of vintage uh, crockery cutlery and yeah so I'm in threadbare clothes. Hopefully my husband will be listening to this.
0: <laughs> but I think, you know, that's, uh, you know, another massive, massive thing these days is not just the food. It's, you know, it's it's becoming more conscious in all departments. And I think um, clothes is a massive thing. I mean, you've given me bags of clothes before now, which obviously were about 20 sizes too small, but I managed <laughs> to squeeze my bum into a few of them. And, I, you know, I think that's a great thing. Another wonderful trend that women on Ibiza, do have these amazing swapping parties. I'm sure they do in other parts of the world as well, but it's my number one thing. There's so many well-dressed women here and there's not actually a lot of really great shops. So a lot of the really greatly dressed women... I would say, you know, bring those clothes in from all around Europe. So I kind of think that's a cool thing to do if, you know, if you haven't got buckets of money right now to actually have a little swap shop party, obviously from a distance, if that's possible, um, (laughs) in your garden, outside. Um, But, you know, I think it's a great, great thing. So it was quite funny when I turned up and you were actually wearing the exact same top that I used to wear. When I worked at BBC Six Music, it was my kind of going to interview a band top (laughs) because I thought it was pretty cool. And, you know, you're obviously really cool if you're wearing it too.
1: It's got, it's got an edge, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. I've just, I think the Ibiza wardrobe, that's what's so fantastic. Year after year, I backpack in the winter. I put all my summer clothes away, backpack them, bring them out the next year. Can I get rid of that dress? No. Um, because the Ibiza wardrobe, it's just, mm. you can wear anything. Mm. I mean, I do go back to England sometimes in my Ibiza clothes, and <laughs> people look like they're going to lock me up. But uh, Or take a picture of me. Uh, But yeah, that's the magic of the island and what we can wear. Do you do the shake and vac when you get them back out? Put the freshness back. This is a top tip. (laughs) This could be a podcast on its own, my packing. So I get cotton pads, spray them with my favourite perfume and just lay them up between the clothes. And then when you open up the vac pack, six months later, whoosh. Smells divine. There you go. That's a very,
0: very good idea. See, this podcast isn't just about food. It's about <laughs> all manner of wonderful women's things. I feel like I'm sort of sitting in the WI masterclass here. <laughs> You're just about to break out your incredible, divine, festive goodies. We haven't even had a drink, and I'm feeling
1: quite tipsy <laughs> on just being in your company. Well, look, oh, God, I've got my kombucha here. And honestly, I, I lifted the lid, and, and lovely Mays, who gave me the scoby last week, she said it can get like a bit fizzy, and yeah, she said you have to burp it. I've never heard of that expression. It's a bit like a baby. Yes, so I burped it in my kitchen. It was like showers, like not, not golden showers, <laughs> kombucha showers. <laughs> so this it home, was a this fizzy, fizzy old fellow. And and in here, have you given your scoby a name? We like to give scobies a name yeah. on this show. It was Pamela. Named after Pikes, Pamela, because, yeah, she's fiz- fizzy and colourful. Fizzy and fabulous. Fizzy and fabulous, like my, like my kombucha. So, should we open it? Oh, please. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a damp squib. I was to say, I thought it was going to be an explosive little number after you
0: are uh, big up there.
1: <laughs> I did burp it earlier. <laughs>
0: you or the bottle? Yeah, both. Okay, bring it on. I'm
1: very excited about this. I need a bit of uh,
0: ferment in my life this morning.
1: And I'm not blowing my own triangle. Not oh, not because I can't play any instrument. But I have to say, this is pretty epic stuff. And I flavoured it with guava. And you just really can't believe that guava is available on this island. It's another treasure from my dog walk. And... It's on this particular lane and I've been walking past and I'm getting this heady aroma of like tropical fruit and then I look down on the floor and it's just all in the soil, dropped from the trees. So, yeah, hey presto, I pick it up and stuff, my, stuff it in my pocket. But it's the most exceptional fruit and it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a tropical fruit and it tastes the cross between a strawberry and a ripe pear. And then you get an after flavour of passion fruit. So, remember (laughs) Umbungo? Who doesn't remember
0: Umbungo? They shake it in the jungle.
1: So, I was like... Could you actually sing us the theme tune if you can remember it? No, no. Umbungo, Umbungo, they drink it in the Congo. (laughs) Please cut that out. People's ears will bleed. But um, That wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) But honestly, get get that down your living gullet. Stop embarrassing me. <laughs> I don't know. I quite like embarrassing it. It's one of my uh, favourite. Wow, this looks so beautiful. It looks like don't... a science experiment, it... doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Cheers. Ching. More softly.
0: <laughs> beautiful. Thank you very what much. I'm going to get them going in.
1: Bottoms up, tits out.
0: You know what they say in Spanish? The girl... You have to hit your glass on the table. The girl that does not bang... Does not bang, apparently.
1: Oh. Have you heard that one? No, but I'm going to use that.
0: (laughs) Mmm. Mmm. With a little chewy pomegranate punch at the end. Mmm. To be honest... I mean, actually, May's also mentioned this last week. It's like, you know, I'd rather drink that this Christmas than, you know, than Prosecco all day, because it just makes you feel absolutely horrible by the afternoon. My brother usually sort of um, pops open a bottle of champagne first, 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 first thing in the morning so we can have our first presents. And it's lovely. It's a lovely tradition. I must say, with nothing in my tummy, by the time we have our brunch, I'm feeling a bit like heady. And I think actually my top tip, which I'm going to share right now is that I'm, I think I'm going to drink kombucha in the morning on Christmas day this year and I'm not spending it with my family for the first time ever and um, yeah I think I'm going kombucha on Christmas morning this year and I'm um, not going
1: to start drinking if at all but definitely not <laughs> that early. I mean that's detox to retox or re- is it retox to detox? To have that on an empty tummy is like one of the best things you can have. And almost like because it's got a level of alcohol, like marginal because of the fermentation process. I had a friend that she said, I, f- I feel actually tipsy on the kombucha. Um, so you you can get that. And because it's got that natural effervescence, that fizz, um, it's just a delightful drink, isn't it? I mean, is she a massive lightweight like you? Yes. yes, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>, she is. <laughs> we've got into a few scrapes definitely
0: (laughs) no way I don't believe you
1: (laughs) anyway yes bottoms up yeah that's
0: really 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 special and um Mays did actually give me some to take away last week and I've I've actually just finished it a week later I've just been having a little yeah a little chapito every morning and that was also guava flavored so there seems to be a running theme here which is beautiful it's almost like she's handed
1: the guava baton into the (laughs) into the next podcast episode no, I actually, that was when I met her. I took the guava to her, to the fermentation workshop. So that this was a swap shop. So this is going back to, she, I gave her the guavas, she gave me the scoby. You know, beautiful things happen. I think this is
0: the future, particularly in these times where people just stop paying for stuff and just start swapping instead because it's it's so much more joyful to actually share things, particularly as as girls on this island. I think the women here are just so lovely the connections that can be made through shared passions and interests obviously you two with your wonderful fermentation but I think there's just you know a lot of female love on this island somehow with a lot of girls getting together and you know becoming stronger as a team of, of women and um you know even with the kind of rally round for the ibiza food bank at the moment that um two women i know are doing has grown into something quite unbelievably massive because there are a lot of people struggling right now and i'm sure there will be this christmas so if anyone wants to go and donate to the ibiza food bank that would be a really 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 lovely thing um that we would love it. Um, Instead of donating to this podcast like I normally mention, the fact that we've got our Patreon account, then um, if you did want to go on there and donate something to that wonderful cause, that would
1: be a marvellous thing. Okay, what's the first course? Let's get in. This is the quince, the quince with uh, the vermouth. And we've got the star anise, bay leaves from the garden and cinnamon and fresh vanilla pods. And it's been simmering away, and it will be sticky and delicious. Sticky and delicious. Well, oh, what more can we hear? Uh, I if I can add anything to that one. I do come out with the worst <laughs> adjective sometimes, and uh, yeah, the double entendres uh, just keep flowing. That yeah. is the only reason I came. <laughs> to your house. Well <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, I think we're drunk on the booze. <laughs> I've been poaching it for hours the alcohol would have burnt off but you might get a little.
0: That's probably a good thing at
1: at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then this is the creamy lebna, which I'm pretty obsessed with making at the moment. And, And then this is the Ibiza almond pistachio nut brittle. So it's always nice when I'm doing, like, poached fruits, I think it needs that little level of texture. So that will deliver a nice uh, crunch. And, yeah. How do you make the labneh? So I get a probiotic yoghurt, and then um, I've got, like, a muslin bag. So if you're... uh, I actually bought it in Wild Beats. It's a nut-soaking bag. Oh, my God, I'm making myself laugh again. (laughs) I'm trying to stay
0: out of this one. It's not working. It.
1: So, so yeah, you soak your usually you soak your nuts in this bag. God. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay, I'm I'm blushing now. <laughs> I don't think you are. I think this is standard practice for you. Um, yeah. So you put your probiotic yogurt in the bag, and you strain it, and then you're left with like a thick, creamy. <laughs> it's going terribly wrong. I've got sterical. <laughs> so then you're left with um just like this thick, creamy, like natural yogurt which has got like probiotic benefits. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would happen if we got together. That's why we don't need to drink. It just isn't, isn't necessary. I mean, when we did that podcast the other time, I mean, it was just hours of the editing that you must have done. It was just, like, hysterical. Well, that's a good point to interject,
0: that Tess has her very own podcast called the Love Food the podcast. And if you are really, really into food and you're literally drooling at what we're talking about right now, uh, do you jump onto iTunes and check that one out as well. Because, um, yeah, it was probably one of the favourite podcasts Actually, ever made before. Um, it's, yeah, very, very, very much again about the same sort of themes of zero kilometre um, purchasing and creation. And, um, yeah, some very lovely guests as well, some musical people, um, and also some fabulous chefs. Okay, I'm actually going to press pause while we actually eat this marvellous food. I'm going to take a little nibble before we do take a little uh, intercourse break.
1: The obligatory.
0: Oh, wow. I'm going to have to take a photo of well. <laughs> The most Instagrammable food on the island. Okay, we are going in. We've taken the photo. Instagram uh, is at the reset rebel. Go and check it out to see what delicious delights um, this quince is. I'm just going to try not to spill the vermouth sauce all over the microphone. One sec. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Mm. Seriously, that is quite outrageous. I don't even know where to begin. I thought it would be a lot sweeter than that. It is quite sweet, but it's, um... Oh, it's just, <laughs> it's just gorgeous, basically. I don't really know where, what else I can add to that other than, um... Mmm.
1: Fruity little number. So, because you can't... It's the only fruit that you can't eat raw... I guess it's got those kind of tones of crab apple, cooking apple, pear. So it's like a hybrid between a cooking apple and a pear. But what happens is it just completely absorbs so much flavor when cooking. I I often use it in um in a in a tagine as well, Moroccan tagine. But it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty epic and you know that's just soaked in all those beautiful vermouth flavors that's... um it tastes quite Christmassy as well, doesn't it? With the star anise and the... Um... That's
0: exactly, yeah, that's what it was. Star anise is probably one of my favourite things at Christmas and um the flavour of that, I think exactly what you said, the pear and the apple. But
1: yeah, with a bit of cinnamon and yes. yeah, it's just beautiful. Well, are you going to cook it... For Christmas, oh, I'll have to do that recipe, and I'll be posting that on La Food Ibiza. But I'm just going to whiz over here on Christmas morning and pick up the one that you made earlier. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how it works? Yeah, we'll have the kombucha shots, <laughs> then we'll hit the vermouth, and then yeah, we'll 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 tuck in. But uh,
0: yeah. tell us a bit more about this vermouth because it's a new local brand that's kind of sprung up, isn't it? What's it called?
1: It's called Gold Tooth, and I mean the the, the typography on the front—it's amazing. Is that Tanit? Would you say that, that
0: is that definitely concept. yeah it looks like Tannic to me
1: um, but it's like it's a premium vermouth so I mean fundamentally it's yeah you know, for drinking but I like to cook with it I actually um, put put this on sea bass the other day but it's it's got locally grown saffron hibiscus rose that's that flavor one Um and this one has got foraged lemon, orange blossom, dandelion and jasmine, some of my favorite things. Um and it's just like it's delicious. It's not it's not too sweet and yeah, I it's been it's by my kind of cocktail of of choice recently and great to cook with as well. Uh, it's absolutely divine and it's good
0: to promote local produce as well as I said because um Yeah, there's just so many lovely things cropping up. Ibiza even has its own gin these days as well. I've been seeing quite a lot of
1: that around in the shops. I'm still chewing chewing (laughs) the quince. (laughs) Who often says that? that, That's law gin. Um, That's an incredible gin. They use sourdough Ibiza in that, even the Padron peppers, um, prickly pear. So all these distilleries that are cropping up, they're really using the the, the fruits and um, the herbs from the land, and yeah, I mean it's a it's a current food trend, but you know how amazing to to use the produce that's at your fingertips.
0: So I'm just jumping on for a quick one, mid stuffing my face with the absolute culinary delights that Tess is feeding me today. Just to say that there's many, many, many people, as I mentioned previously, in Ibiza right now who are literally struggling. Um, They don't have enough, you know, to put on their own dinner table and their plate on a daily basis. It's heartbreaking to listen uh, to some of the stories and to see the queue growing um, week on week at the Ibiza Food Bank so I have personally um, donated um, a podcasting course a place on the very very last podcasting course that is happening in 2020 at The Hub um, which is on the 14th and 15th of December uh, to the Abitha Food Bank as a prize to give away in their raffle so if you want to get a ticket for that there's some unbelievable gifts and goodies that are being given away by the residents of the island um, to raise some money for the people this Christmas that are struggling, have been hit by the lack of work and general you know, nosedive that the economy has taken in all departments for many, many people across the lands. But if you are somebody who's not in that position, and you really want to help somebody in Ibiza this Christmas, or maybe you live in Ibiza, and you didn't know that this raffle was happening, and you want to lay your hands on some gifts that maybe you can't actually afford. um, You know, it's a really great way to get some uh, good coaching or There's a million and one things on there. I've even donated a free private one-to-one yoga class because I also teach yoga as well. So I'm very excited to do um, a little something for someone this Christmas. I've given bags of clothes to the hub as well. I know that they're also collecting um, food items and warm winter clothes for the end of the year. So I am going to just mention again about that last, last podcasting course that's going to happen just before christmas on the 14th and the 15th if this has been the kind of year where you've just been you know on lockdown thinking oh my god you know i really am full of these ideas i've got this creativity um i really really want to start my own podcast i am doing one final session of two days of the start your own podcast uh, course at the hub i'm really excited and i'm just gonna end this little uh jump in with a few little snippets and bloopers of what happened on the last podcast course at the hub uh, just a few short weeks ago with some of the absolute legends. (laughs) This is hilarious. Uh, Four of them to be precise that came on it. I'll leave you with this before we get back to Tess and her delicious, delicious food on this edition of the Christmas festive inspo Reset Rebel to get you in the festive mood which might feel for some of us like a little bit of a struggle this year so we are here just to give you um a little bit of cheer in your ear and see if we can uh, get you in the mood don't go away you're on what we call it i feel like a professional tell me when when
1: hang on no <laughs> yeah. You can hear like all the spit moving around in your mouth. It's so weird. We're
0: back. It's the second season of the Ibiza Wedding Podcast. And this time we're going deeper, deep into the heart of Ibiza. The
1: perfect distance. But,
0: is it, but it feels so, I don't know, like it doesn't feel like it's me. Does it sound like me?
1: Does it? See, there you go.
0: If you inspire. Ah! <laughs>
1: Could that be edited? I'd have to start again. Hit subscribe because you don't want to miss it. The Abitha Wedding Podcast Season 2 starts January 2021. That's it.
0: I must say, I mean, I've got a new rule now, no more here, Um, because even though it's made from all the wonderful herbs of the island, there's just too much sugar in it. And every time I have it at the end of a meal in the evening, I actually cannot sleep for the rest of the night. It does something to me that really stimulates me. And I think it's because I don't really have any sugar in my diet. And then I have the dinner, and then I have the last final chipito that you're kind of, you know, rewarded with, like it's some sort of, you know jewel that's brought out at the end of the meal and then I have it and then I just, that's it, game over I know there's a reaction in my body that stops me from sleeping so it's a sad thing because it's probably one of my favourite things about Ibiza is the Hyabas but I've now made a very big decision that I will never ever drink it again unless it's for breakfast because then I don't have
1: to sleep <laughs> Yes uh, yeah, the, the sugar content is pretty off the scale with, with the Hyabas um, and although it's a digestive, it's 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 uh, it has got benefits to it for digestion. Yeah, I think it's just good to try something different, isn't it? So maybe. Should- I think
0: the other thing I'm also still chewing is it um, does oh, yeah. the most unbelievable limoncello, which is made by the owner Peter, who I'm actually hopefully getting on this podcast when he ever replies to my text messages because. Even though he's probably not a wellness expert, he's probably the exact opposite. Boy, has that man got a story to tell. I mean, I just think he's absolutely the most hilarious creature sort of shuffling around the space and in the kitchen lately, um, making his his delicious boozy wares. But the other thing is, it's the same thing. If I have that limoncello, I cannot sleep and I just know it's got to be the sugar. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no offence to Peter, but there's been some, like, dodgy nights in that place.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. He definitely His got energy. raided one year, didn't he? I know that yeah. happened.
1: I mean, I actually interviewed him when I when I set up Le- Love Food of Eating. I was doing some restaurant reviews on there. I, I was literally honoured to be able to interview Peter. What a character. I mean, he's got a bedroom in in the restaurant. and and I'm sure he actually (laughs) probably needs one of the amount of women he hits on on a nightly basis after about ten
0: shots of limoncello. I always have at least two or three because he insists. And I think, well, I wonder what's in those and I
1: I wonder what would happen if my boyfriend wasn't here. I mean, yeah, I said to him, God, this this bedroom's seen some action. He goes, yeah, in the morning there are often men, women, chicken and pigs. I'm like, oh, my God. Got a whole menagerie going on in there. But intriguing. Let's, let's not even go down that road. This is a this is a
0: wholesome podcast at ten o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Only you, Tess, would bring up what could what could possibly go wrong? And coming to see Tess from Love Food to Be at ten a.m. on a Thursday morning, um, I'm absolutely blown away by these flavors. Uh, once again. You have absolutely um, blown it out of the ballpark. And the last time I had the pleasure was um, probably about 18 months ago. It was July last summer when we did the um, plant-based picnic podcast on Benaras Beach with um, some wonderful people. And my God, did I go away with a happy tummy that day. Um, and slightly tipsy, just to make a change. <laughs> but um, I'm actually on a, a non-drinking um, yeah, month at the moment as well. So I'm quite glad that you didn't try to coerce me into getting involved in... Um, having an actual
1: vermouth if it's if it's on the food it's fine right yeah i mean that's simmering away so the uh the alcohol content is gone but yeah it still makes you feel happy well i'm definitely not going to get my straw up and uh,
0: (laughs) start sucking at the end of the plate but um no that really was absolutely mm, divine i um yeah you've inspired me i'd like to make some of that on christmas day so if people want to get the recipe for that where where can they find it
1: I'm literally, after this podcast, going to sit down and write it up. So um, I'll be posting that in the next day or two. And I think what the beauty with that, because it's like now gone cold. I mean, that warm is delicious. But then that would be really epic on like overnight oats and having it the next day. Or you could make like, um, I was thinking about using the rest and making a quince tart de with that as well so you can you can go indulgent or super healthy or super naughty which what do you mean the rest I'm gonna eat it yeah oh yeah you can have a little doggy (laughs) bag no there's a lot left over but
0: it's um yeah it just looks yeah well you make everything look beautiful but um it's good that you can think of you know, other things to do with it as well because people often don't finish, you know, the things that they buy. Everyone goes bananas, don't they? They just buy everything they can see when they're shopping for Christmas Day's food. But I think, you know, there's so much left over and now is not, you know, the moment in time to be putting food in the bin. And, you know, when I used to cook on retreats as well back in the day people used to call me the the transformational chef because whatever had gone the day before, I would make it into something else. And I just, I couldn't bring it, you know, couldn't bring myself to put things in the bin. Um, And I quite enjoyed trying to think of something else to make with it that was kind of completely different. So it wasn't boring, obviously, with a flavor of, uh, you know, the day's gone by in it. But um, yeah, it was kind of almost like a challenge.
1: I'm I'm really into, uh, yeah, I often use the hashtag love food, hate waste. And yeah, for instance, that I would even whiz that down and make that into a juice or a smoothie i mean mm. i'm really into like one put cooking as well because the next day you can you can have like all those otilengi like middle eastern moroccan um israeli foods really taste delicious cold the next day and mm. they've all the flavors have got time to develop in the fridge and you know you can make things like that into soups uh so yeah i really like creating recipes from a recipe and uh yeah, that that gives me maximum pleasure.
0: I think yeah, anything that's um, sort of heartwarming and soul warming in these sort of winter months as well is, you know, a good place um, to begin to kind of make your tummy happy. But you know, this feeling of sort of warmth in the belly is what people are craving. I think at this time of year, and that feeling of kind of earthing and grounding as we move into the heavier colder months although you know we are sitting here in your outdoor kitchen it's it's not really that cold we don't want to brag though so um what have we got coming up for the next course do you want to wait
1: until you bring it out or um I'm gonna say I'm gonna go into my kitchen upstairs and rustle up some cheese on toast and it's with a difference of course bring it on I can't wait it sounds divine I came around here for
0: yeah, an absolute riot of the senses and um, I'm sure I won't be disappointed.
1: No. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I'm quite confident about this next course. Um, so it's my little spin on um, a Welsh rare bit, but an Ibiza rare bit. With, so it's going to taste super indulgent but it's got it's a healthy revamp of uh, cheese on toast. Check it twice I'll leave you an all right here Underneath
0: the Christmas lights. Ooh, She's back with course number two. What have you got for us? I must admit, the smell as you came round the corner, um, yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty special.
1: I mean, who doesn't love cheese on toast? So when I'm thinking about, like, old classics, I just want to just, like, revamp them and just, like, give them an extra bit of love or a health twist. So basically, this is my retake on um, Welsh Rarebit. Um... So on the bottom, I've got sourdough rye, which is obviously a better bread to to eat at the moment. And then I'm actually lactose intolerant. So the the cheese I've used is the local manchego, sheep's cheese. Mm. And then you bind that together with a raw egg and then mix that together with the grated cheese. I've got black shaved shaved black garlic, chives from the garden. And then on the top, I've put nasturtium leaves and nasturtium flowers I'm really into using these at the moment and I did a bit of research over the whole, not mentioning the C word, but the whole um, situation got me thinking about, you know, all these health benefits of edible flowers. And there's a lot of research gone into like the lung health and it's great. It's like anti, um, antibacterial, antiviral and really good for lung health, coughs, colds. So I've topped them with nasturtium. And then this magic just happened, didn't it, with this uh, truffle honey, which I got from Delsford. Black truffle honey, it's just like, I don't know, that's like cracking a jar, basically. <laughs> they
0: look like sort of um, golden teardrops running down the leaves, almost like dew, or kind of like, now they look like crystals or little diamonds.
1: You know, the way they've sat on the leaf, it's exactly that. It looks like diamonds. Well, like l- these little
0: gems that, yes. you know, um, it's in your dreams put on people's faces in Ibiza and in nightclubs.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's just, yeah, like you said, that's alchemy. That's food alchemy. Um, anyway, please tuck in. I think you should try. I'm going for the,
0: the, ba- the big bad boy with the special, special flower on it that and apparently that, is going
1: to boost and my it, immunity. Exactly, and it tastes like a peppery rocket.
0: Oh my God! My honesty.
1: <laughs> <That's> mm. mm. <laughs> that is absolutely out of this world. Yeah, it's cheese and toast and some, isn't it? I mean, it's just got a lot of uh, different dimensions of flavour. It's the
0: truffle. It's the absolute. I mean, I love truffle, but the egg and the cheese combination and the
1: garlic, the black garlic. Oh my God. Mm. Sorry, my mouth full. Yeah, <laughs> just, um, yeah, just I love mixing up, like adding little, just like little trinkets of, uh, of unexpected flavours. And uh, yeah, the black, the black garlic is just epic with cheese. Where can you get black garlic from?
0: Because I've only been learning a little bit about that from watching another good friend of mine who's a nutritionist, Angela Walker's uh, feed on Instagram, Feed Yourself Smarter, she's called. And
1: she's been talking a lot
0: about black garlic recently
1: a lot of the health food shops sell it and it's got a really long um shelf life because it's um like you usually get it in a like a little tub and it's already peeled and um it's fermented so you can just shave it and yeah it's it's almost got a truffle quality to it
0: anything with truffle in it really is good in my book it's um one of my favorite things and actually the guys at the um Cinema Paradiso the outdoor cinema. They said bring cinemas to your home. I'm doing a lot of advertising on this show in an, inadvertently, but they do do truffle popcorn, which mm. is like the most incredible thing when they put a little bit of truffle on your popcorn. Oh my God, that could be another Christmas thing. When you sit down with all those Christmas movies over the Christmas period, get yourself a little bit of truffle oil and put that on your popcorn. Oh
1: my God. Yeah, I mean, there are so many applications for it. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's, Joe's tucking into another one, just oh, got just the mic on my it. face. <laughs> I mean, they, they, the, the local Souda Ibiza, um, the crisps, they do a truffle crisp, which are just really decadent. Mm-hmm. It's like the best kettle chip with, with truffle. Yeah, so I would really highly recommend getting um, black truffle into your, no, black garlic into your pantry. And um, yeah, truffle honey is just epic mm-hmm. for a cheese board. Yeah, I
0: where did you actually get that from, precisely? Because I definitely need to go and invest in some of that for my Christmas, uh, my Christmas table.
1: I'm so sorry of the crunching in my mouth. Um, that came from Dalesford Farm mm. in um, in the Cotswolds. Yeah, I mean, so honestly, another, thi- another thing that I smuggled into my suitcase. It's so funny. It's always food. <laughs> so I was like a truffle honey peddler, and I um, I gave some to. Um, Paul Reynolds as well, and he's just recently finished it, and he was like, sent me a message going, I'm weeping, it's a really sad day in the Reynolds household. My truffle <laughs> honey's gone. So, yeah, I, I actually um, brought back three jars of it.
0: Okay, so it says infused with Italian black truffles, and it's, yeah, I mean, I don't really know. It almost looks like a, a porcini mushroom that's kind of floating in there that gives it the truffle essence.
1: Mm. And I guess you could, like, if you can get hold of truffles... That's the beauty. I mean, that's like one few um, truffle shavings has gone a long way to infuse that honey. So I guess you could get truffles and do it yourself with local honey, which I probably will do. Mm. Sorry, Dalesford. Well,
0: I think it's a good idea because, you know, if no one's making that here and you're going to make it with locally produced honey, I think mean, that's a great idea. What an amazing Christmas present that would be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd love I would love that for a Christmas present. Be epic.
0: We're just giving you lots of ideas here. <laughs> We're not just giving you inspiration for the Christmas uh, dinner table and the days in between and, um, you know, in the warm-up as well. I think, it, you know, I'm fairly sort of restrained in the warm-up to Christmas, but once it hits that bit between Christmas and New Year, yeah, I do like to sit around a little bit and watch a little movie or two and have um, some good things to... To snack on but you know posh cheese on toast on sourdough with the egg and the cheese and that truffle honey on top is um definitely at the top of the tree for me absolutely gorgeous okay <laughs> so we're uh, we're just recovering from probably one of the best uh posh cheese on toast i've ever had in my all my life you call it welsh Rare bit, but that black truffle honey is next level. What with the black garlic? I can't recommend that highly enough. Are you gonna put the recipe on your Instagram for that as well? If not, I'll I can also oh, something's repeating on me. <laughs> that'd be Manchego. <laughs> <But, laughs> that'd be the Manchego cheese. But we were just saying what a great way when you never normally plough through the entire cheese board after a big Christmas feast it's always hanging around for a few days and sometimes it's a bit stinky in the fridge you don't you know don't really want it in there anymore what a great way on boxing day or the day after that when you've um, recovered your digestive juices to be able to make something um, almost kind of healthy on fermented bread with um yeah some really really good healthy bits in there
1: yeah you could I mean you you would need that you would need at least uh, one hard cheese to get that kind of melt factor um, but, yeah, you could crumble in a blue cheese with that. I mean, anything goes. I mean, yeah, Welsh rabbit um, purists out there would be uh, probably, you know, raising their f- pitchforks at me. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm all about just adding, adding different dimensions. And, mm-hmm. yeah, if you've got black truffle, if you've got black garlic in in your pantry, it works really well with the cheese. Mission
0: accomplished. I'm definitely in another dimension right now. It's a very happy one and um, I recommend it highly to anyone. So let's just go back to these edible flowers quickly.
1: So no, that's an edible, so it's a plant and it grows like wild in Ibiza and we like, it's not, it's not a, a weed, but it does grow wild here. And I've, uh, I bought mine, no, I actually dug some up and then planted it in my herb garden. So um, if it has like an optimum kind of sunny spot it will really thrive so the leaf looks a bit like a bright green lily pad I and mean, it tastes like rocket and then you've got the really beautiful like orange and, and yellow flowers that um, that come from it Is that how you turn down into a prince? <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the lily pad <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yes uh, <laughs> lots of licking involved <laughs> So I've had. Yeah uh, yeah so yeah i mean a lot of people uh, i've been using edible flowers from from off of cooking from when i um was uh, doing a bit of duke of edinburgh uh and uh, baking on there and using wild flowers so it's it's become like on trend but then if they've actually got a health benefit uh to have that as an addition to your to your dish is mm. j- it's just something quite tremendous
0: Tessa, it's very apparent, and we you know we talked about this on your uh, your your own podcast when um, when I was chatting to you on there, but it's you know it's so obvious that you just love food, so it's you are named perfectly because you are it's so clear from the way you present things and all the flavors and the research and the love of the ingredients that you put in. But, you know, what was it that actually first got you into kind of making food? And why did you kind of choose to make that your actual career? Because you said you were even working all hours back in the city for a catering firm. And, I mean, no one puts in the kind of slog. There's nothing glamorous. Like, you make it look ridiculously glamorous to be a chef. But I know firsthand from doing it for about two years when I first got here, as well as teaching yoga, um, as much as I humanly possibly could. But I did do a bit of cooking as well to just to make Ends meet, and I loved it. But I mean, I wasn't a patch on any of this, and it was really hard work. So, you know, what was it that kind of you know kept you in this little bubble of um, culinary beauty for so long?
1: I mean, I I mean, in joke, I've I held a pastry brush before a pencil. I mean, I was literally four years old, and my grandfather made some steps up to the uh, on the kitchen in the kitchen, so I could stand next to mum. And mum and dad, you know, being in the 80s, it was a big dinner party culture. So at the weekends, they would all swap and go to each other's houses. And I'd be there up at the work surface making jam tarts. And yeah, I, I threw out all my school life, really into home economics. And always my mum actually pimped me out when I was 12 years old to cook for a friend's uh, 40th birthday party. I was, I was cooking roast dinners for my friend's parents at weekends. And just, yeah, always, always cooking. And, you know, with, with being a chef, you can never stop learning. You know, a lot of people out there have got chefy egos. But, yeah, for me, there's no ego in the kitchen. It's like celebrating the ingredients. Let the ingredients, talk. you know, do the talking. But then if you can marry, um, you know, certain ingredients together, then the alchemy and the magic happens. And then that just spurs me on every day every day and just walking out in nature and seeing like uh, the produce growing and, and the wild produce and the forage produce and there are so many inspirational people out there particularly women in food that I follow like on my Instagram we all support one another and yeah and another key reason is like the nurturing that comes with cooking I don't have children but when I can nurture friends and family and my husband through food, then I'm in my happy place. And when I cook on the yoga retreats with Trish, and a few days in, uh, the women are just, like I can't believe how good I feel. I was panicking about not eating meat. I was panicking about not having gluten and sugar. And them coming to the end of the week and just just feeling incredibly happy and nourished. So... Yeah. You've got black truffle honey as a secret
0: weapon. That's all you, you need. You don't need think. sugar. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've always got a little <laughs> bit of local honey up my sleeve. But yeah, but for, when I'm cooking for, for the vegan community, I can't use the honey. And that's another thing that I've, I find really quite difficult because, like, nature and bees, it's like paramount to the, light, the cycle of life. Yeah, so I, I can I can see that, that uh, yeah mass-produced honey is like an awful thing, but uh, yeah.
0: Have you been to the bee project on Ibiza? There's a farm that are actually cultivating their own bees and they're trying to, trying to really look after the bee heritage and the kind of community of bees that exists here because a lot of the farmers were so, sort of saying that the kind of produce they were growing wasn't growing in the same way mm. it does when they've lived elsewhere and then they came here and they were like, what is it? that's not happening that makes you know these veggies look the way they normally do and then they suddenly realise that it was you know the fact that the bee is not coming along along to pollinate them the flower that's above the ground the um the lady from Abitha produce explained (laughs) explained that to me about two or three podcasts ago but I didn't know that that had to happen really for even a vegetable to grow to its fullest uh you know and best version of itself
1: it's absolute key i mean quite quite funny the 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 restaurant that we used to well that we go to around the corner in es figurel the the pizzeria he actually left the business to become a beekeeper he's that passionate about it and um he goes around saving hives and then um take, i think he's got his uh, he's got a plot of land near at zaro and yeah he he will go around rescuing hives and then nurturing and then building new hives for for the bees, and he's now using that as his uh, main career.
0: Wow, what a hero. And um, that can't be... I mean, it must be slightly weird, kind of wandering around in that sort of E.T. outfit (laughs) that you um, see beekeepers wearing. And, um, yeah, that's Mm. someone who's obviously... You know very very aware of their importance in the in the chain of events and i think that not a lot of people know enough about bees i guess to to really care about them and just buying as you said you know mass-produced honey down the supermarket is is really not um it's not a good thing
1: yeah i think you've got to look at mass-produced honey is um a bee graveyard i mean they literally like mulch the the bees with the honey and it's just yeah, absolutely horrendous. So I massively champion local honey. And also, good, it's amazing as an antihistamine for, for allergies and hay fever. You should be eating the local honey.
0: Well, you heard that first on the, uh, the Reset Rebel podcast. Get your, um, yeah, get your local farm-produced honey for Christmas. So what is for our final PS de la Résistance? I can see it, and it looks absolutely spectacular.
1: So, obviously, I make a lot of energy balls. I call them love balls, um, bliss balls, whatever you want to call them. So, the essence of these are my foraged carob. Literally, I picked that in September and then ground it down. In it, and as I said before, it's like free chocolate growing in the trees. It's just the most incredible thing. It, it's quite laborious and difficult to make, but obviously, you can buy carob readily available on the island. There's like the local, um, I can't remember the the, the company that makes it, but anyway, um, you can get the local carob. And back home or in the UK or anywhere around the world, you can get carob from health food shops. There's so many health benefits as an antioxidant. It's it's level with um, raw cacao. And um, in fact, don't quote me, I think it's got equal benefits as, as cacao, if not more. And it tastes like chocolate. So, you know... It's amazing. So together I've used oranges from the garden and made them into bliss balls. And obviously for the for the season ahead they have been decorated to look like Christmas puddings. And I'm literally scattering pomegranates on anything that doesn't move at the moment. So I look
0: forward to that later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So I've got little um, jewels of pomegranate to look like, I guess, um, red currants and little sprigs of um, oregano to look like holly leaves. And then it's drizzled with a cashew cream with a little touch of amaretto. And yeah, so so the actual love balls themselves have got medjool dates in, they've got the cacao, they've got grated orange um, nuts. Uh, uh, almonds and coconut chia seeds just bags of goodness but they taste like an indulgent truffle
0: so coconut is the only ingredient that's not local in there where do you get your coconuts from
1: oh christ <laughs> <laughs> jamaica <pressure's> <laughs> now i actually use the frutas um the, Ibiza, the uh you know the the the, the, uh, the fruit supplier so it's still a, it's, it's local, but not from the island. But you just need that kind of little bit of sweetness in there. You could, like, take out the coconut, I guess. Mm.
0: It's just an interesting thing, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, coconut these days is just such a, you know, like a superfood almost, really. It's in so many, many, many things. But I just, you know, obviously I know when I go to India every single winter, just like you do, to cook for uh, our wonderful previous podcast guest, Trish Whelan from Soul Adventures. Um, you know, she and I always gorge on coconuts when we get together over there and I'm sure you put a lot of it into the retreat cooking there but it's you know it's a huge source of coconuts there but apart from the Caribbean I can't think of anywhere closer to home that I've seen or heard coconuts actually growing. I mean you see palm trees here but I've never seen a coconut on one of them.
1: Yeah. I think somebody should try. Maybe that could be a little might, winter project I'm for like, us. Yeah, I might <laughs> dig up my herb garden and plant a coconut tree a palm tree but um yeah, actually talking about that, the dates. Wow, forgot to mention the the dates. So I was and again walking out in, in nature and I was with my mum and, and then all of a sudden there was like this sticky kind of look like someone had emptied a packet of medjool dates on, on the floor. And I was like, what? What, what are these? And my mum said, that's um, date, palm dates. And I look up and they're growing in the palm trees. And this is on my local walk. So I go back and I kind of shake you know shake the tree and um I I, I picked up loads of the fresh dates and that was a taste sensation I've never experienced Mm. it's like they're crunchy like an apple like fresh dates and it's a it's a massive delicacy in lots of countries so I picked those and then I've ripened those so I've yeah some of those are local dates I forgot to mention that's like yeah I did
0: not know that we had dates in Ibiza. I mean, of the of the edible kind. That's interesting because I, you know, obviously we see them all shrivelled up and a bit, um, a bit like a raisin, I guess, when they're all dried out. And obviously, jewels don't change enormously, I guess, in their in their kind of um, format, no. or do they?
1: No, when the, when a date, so there's an optimum time of a, a date's freshness when you can eat it like a pear or an apple, and it's crunchy and it's it's quite solid and it's yellow. In, in actual fact, now. I've mentioned it, you'll see them like in in late September in the the supermarkets, not the supermarkets, but in the food, um, you know, fruit and veg markets around Ibiza, you'll see them on a long string. And when you eat them like that, it's just a completely different um, taste sensation. And then they will eventually ripen and then they'll go through the next stages of going to the brown sticky um, dates, as we know. We're back to the sticky again.
0: <laughs> right, I think we should de- move on to dessert before that uh, develops further in the wrong direction. These look absolutely divine.
1: On oh my Christmas oh my Christmas vintage plate that comes out every year. So. That's a beautiful
0: thing. I think there's so many great places in England to kind of buy those vintage, um, wonderful kind of, you know, plates that your grandma used to give you when you were a kid. So um, I'm very much looking forward to trying. Okay, we're going into the Christmas pudding. Stand by. <laughs> mm. Once again, just epic. Tastes exactly like a Christmas pudding, but a little bit lighter in the flavour. Very cinnamony, beautiful sweetness from the dates, nice little bit of crunch from the seeds and the pomegranate. And that cashew cream is um, gold, much nicer than custard, actually. Not so heavy, but, um, yeah, a
1: true a true delight. Tess? I mean, I, yeah, I did put a little bit of amaretto in the, in the cashew cream. But, you know, it is like that season. And, yeah, I've never thought of putting any alcohol in cashew cream. I guess it's not the done thing, but, hey, why not? Um, but it actually tastes really chocolatey, doesn't it? Well, you wouldn't imagine that that chocolate flavour has come from carob. I think,
0: yeah, I'd actually forgotten about the fact that that was uh, purely a carob thing that was going on there. But yeah, I, I just never know what to do with carob. When I see them all over the floor, when I'm walking down the street on a hike, it's like, it just seems like a terrible waste that they're just all over the floor rotting. And I think there should be you know, some kind of um, carob charity, practically, because the things that we could feed people with, like with all the just the natural things that are scattered all over the floor on this island, you could feed, you know, full-blown families on carob for, for months on end, I reckon.
1: You say that, but there are lots of people that do collect the carob, especially around here, there's so many carob trees. And then come late September, early October, you get loads of people in the fields with a huge like bags and they, they collect the carob and a lot of it is used for animal feed as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it goes that much to waste. But obviously some of the carrot trees off the beaten path would go mm-hmm. to waste, but it's it's quite a difficult thing to like powder. Mm. So the actual you use the whole pod to to grind into the powder, not the seeds. Those seeds are so like rock hard they would like you would be having a trip to the dentist. But you I would soak those because they're quite hard to open. They're really solid. Mm-hmm. So I soaked those and um, cooked them for a while. Then it makes the pod easy to open. Then you remove the seeds, then you dehydrate them, and then you have to blend it, blend it down. And my NutriBullet bullet didn't actually cope with it, so I, I ended up using a coffee grinder. So I, I, I loved the process of making it, but as I said before, you could just go and buy some from Health Food Shop or the local shops. Mm. But it's it's a really good thing to have in the pantry and you can add them to any kind of cakes or smoothies or anything that you would use cacao in. Mm. In fact, I, I think you could do a carob um, ceremony instead of a cacao ceremony. That'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? I
0: don't know if you'd get as high, but, um, <laughs> you know, obviously that's not always uh, the aim of the game, but um, obviously traditionally in Ibiza there is a, a rich heritage in that direction. But I think, um, as you've said... I didn't realize they'd use the whole pod for that because normally when you pick one up, if I'm walking in San Centre, which is where I normally get involved, um, it's only the chewy bit that I chew off around the edges and the big fat part. Mm. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't eat the whole thing, but I, it, there have been ones that are a bit more squishy um, that are sort of more moist, I guess, that feel a little bit more edible than the ones that you've got there. So it's interesting they use the whole pod and it's nothing goes to waste and the fact they feed them to the farm animals and they don't um, just go in the bin, so that is amazing news. And I think also, I was only thinking the other day, like, where will I get my Christmas cake from? It's normally Marks and Spencer's, but of course, if I'm not going back to England this year, I was thinking, oh, but that's just a beautiful, local, seasonal, organic, you know, taste sensation. And all of it is local and comes out of, uh, you know, the various wonderful places in Ibiza that you can get hold of everything you need to to create what's your favorite Christmas food that you like to kind of make and put on the table last bit of inspo before we um before we finish today's podcast in fact let's talk about your book before we do that because um you have been featured rather massively <laughs> in a fantastic uh, colourful creation of um people and food in Ibiza um and it's it, you know it's just such that looks like a wonderful gift and um I'd love to know a little bit about how that actually came about before we wrap up we've only got a few minutes left
1: there's an incredible family on the on the island and um it's husband and wife team and daughter and they've also got a cat charity called happy Hi- hippie cats where they feed and, and nurse lots of cats on the island and they also have a range of sweaters that they use um, upcycled, recycled um, cotton um, mm. and wool. So anyway, she um, she got a publishing deal in Germany to to write this cookbook, and it features basically twelve unique characters around the island, me being one of them. <laughs> um, and it's a kind of cross between through the keyhole. You you get to see people's homes. And then whoever's been featured would submit their own recipes. It's all vegetarian and vegan. And, yeah, I've got a really nice chunk in the book. Um, Delighted to be in it. And it's beautiful and colourful and um, just gives that really beautiful essence of Ibiza. So it would make a really perfect Christmas gift. It does, yeah. It
0: stands out on this wonderfully colourful table anyway. But it's got a very Ibiza stamp all over it in terms of... um, just the general style of it and I would definitely call you one of the colourful characters of Ibiza so you should definitely <laughs> definitely be in there and you are so that's good. If, if any of the recipes that are in there have you used for us today?
1: I don't think I have, no, no.
0: What's the one recipe that's in there that's your favourite that you would recommend um, the person who very kindly will be winning a signed copy of this book from you? Which one would you um, suggest that they go to?
1: Oh, there's a lemon and lime, a vegan lemon and lime raw cheesecake, and that is epic. And um, I added grated courgette to the mix, and it just adds a creaminess, and it's um, you would not know it's there. And because, you know, when you make raw vegan cheesecakes, it's quite expensive when, you, when you're using, when it's all cashew. It's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of nut content, so I blended it down with courgette and... Um, the coconut oil in it and then it sets and it tastes almost like a key lime pie Mm. so that's a really beautiful one um and there's also like a frangipan um plum tart which i over the christmas period i swap out and use pear Mm. and then i line the puff pastry with uh, a luxury homemade mincemeat so it tastes like a luxurious mince pie with pears and uh Almond fangipan So that's in the book as well. Okay, I definitely need this book in my life. I really don't want to give this give this away. <laughs> give this away? Do I have to give it away? <laughs> well, well, you can get them from stars of Ibiza, and it's available on Amazon now because it's been um, translated in, into English. It's done really, really well in Germany, and it's been lovely because I've been featured in lots of uh, German magazines um, over there. So you can, yeah, you can get it directly. And they also are selling it at Las as well. So you can pick it up there. But I'm sure I will rustle you up a little copy. Love you. Thank you
0: so much. And honestly, I'm absolutely full to the rafters that was the most delicious spectacular spread of christmas goodies i'm feeling very festive indeed um i'm gonna try and end today's show with your favorite christmas song it'll have to be a a version that i find somewhere from my um (laughs) subscribed uh, membership of a a non-published podcast library of music have you got any kind of christmas song that's your favorite out of your
1: repertoire i'm not asking you to sing it don't panic oh why did we go because of the carob and the donkeys eat carob. We'll go with the little donkey.
0: That feels very apt. Okay, you can have that. I'll try and see if I can find a non-published, non-recognisable version of Little Donkey. And if not, I'll, I'll perhaps have to call you up and get you to sing it to me down WhatsApp. Tess! Tess! <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm kombucha,
0: darling. <laughs> Tess, this has been the most delicious, delicious uh, podcast. I think I've, well, apart from your actual own series that I made for you and the wonderful uh, food that I got to eat on that particular show. But here on The Reset Rebel, this has been a, a true delight. And if anybody wants to get some tips and inspiration, they can um, write to us at Just the good news please at gmail.com um, to win a copy of the book but you cannot get that book for free unless you follow Tess and at the reset rebel on Instagram and she is love food Abetha. so if you just put a little heart on both of our Instagram accounts and write to that email address just the good news please at gmail.com follow us both on Instagram and we will send you a copy it looks absolutely amazing um, and all these recipes are on Tess's website, com, and on her Instagram. So do go and follow her and um, we're going to be publishing all the pictures and the videos and um, a little bit of IGTV from today's episode, which, um, yeah, well, I'm very, very delighted <laughs> to have come over here and filled my boots right up to the brim. I don't think I'll be eating for a couple of days. Thank you, Tess, so much.
1: Oh, it's an absolute joy. Uh, it's so much fun always cooking for you and... uh you're a very inspirational person yourself, darling, so um, it's a joy, and uh, yes, should we open up the vermouth now?
0: I think it could definitely be uh, that time for some, for some gold tooth, um, which we also just wanted to give one final mention to as well, by a very lovely lady called Venus, who was making, um, again, something that's very much a local creation. Um, I love the fact it says Sistema de Madre, gold tooth. It kind of just looks... I'm not even sure that is Tanner. It just looks like a woman. So this is uh, vermouth just for the ladies. So, I'm um, sorry. I love that Yorkie advert. It always made me laugh in London. It used to say, not for girls. So I'm just going to say this time it's a, uh, not for boys. This is a female vermouth. And uh, Tess
1: and I may even have a little tipple. Is it past midday? It really is now. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's get on it. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Uh, I've had a great great morning and yes sending lots of Christmas love to everyone.
0: Thank you so much Tess from Love Food Ibiza It's the
1: reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. Coming to you every day